If you'd like to support the show, please rate us five stars, check out our merch store, or go to patreon.com slash what's my thesis to become a patron. All links in the description. What's my thesis? I'm your host, Javier Proenza. Every week, my guests and I share the answers we found to the questions we have. Join us as we explore and expand our worldview and ask, what's my thesis? And today, my guest is Christine Atkinson. Hello. Is that, is that correct? That, that was There was a question mark at the end. I'm always double checking. <laughs> that is my name. Okay. So I think on Zoom, I, I think I might be coming up as Victor Skorokov. You can call me that, too. Okay. Well, Victor Skorkov is very authoritative, so depending on how you talk, <laughs> you may, you're, I, I might feel like the persona's shifting. <laughs> so we actually uh, have been hanging out a little bit because we are both new inductees into Monte Vista as members, and uh, I was thinking about how much, like, I dumped on you like one night, <laughs> you and you and Bobby. I was just like, yeah, I'm having a shit time at work, but it's nice <laughs> to see you guys. <laughs> but the update is that things are going 100 percent better. So, really yeah. Anyway, so how I so but anyway, that was fun. Like just that's like to give listeners a perspective. Yeah. Uh, where where are you from? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I don't know if you've had this experience, but I kind of get the impression that you did that. Like I've met. I had never met Bobby before. Um, I don't think I had, but like, I don't know. I feel like there was suddenly this like into instant, like friendship between everybody. And now I feel like, I feel like it's one of those things where like, um, I feel like Montevist is more of like a, uh, it's like a support system, especially after going out to yeah. the, you know, like it's more like artists that are supporting each other and then curating works so that they support other artists. So it's like a beacon. Yeah. Which is nice. Like, I think I'm into that. Because, um, I mean, I had so much fun the other night. It was my first time behind the bar at the Bendix. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. Uh, well, did you have a good night that that night? Yeah, I've had a great time every, every night. I don't know. I, I just, I really like everybody. And I'm really, like, I don't know. I don't know, really know how to describe it. It's just that they're like, no, no, no. Like we're, we're all friends now. So like, we'll just, it's fine. Like you don't have to worry. Like yeah. you skip that weird, like awkward phase. And they're like, no, 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 it's fine now. And you're like, oh, okay. It's a little <laughs> bit. Well, I, I do. I do remember like there was one night, the first night where we first met, I think, uh, like not when we did the interview, but when we did the, uh, the time before the, the first time we met in person. I would say, yeah. which was at, I think, uh, uh, it was the water, the lily, lily pond piece, which mm -hmm. was really nice. And I didn't know that those pieces were all like, like they were, uh, circular canvases that had been stretched, which I was yeah. like, oh, okay. That's like a flex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like that like, little cutouts on each of them. So it wasn't, yeah, there was like, it was like a, a little like pie with a slice. Exactly. Yeah, I, I've never stretched a canvas before, and even I knew it was like that took a lot of patience. <laughs> I think that's the kind of thing like 
with my origins of a conceptual artist that I could get into and then just like never learn how to paint, you know, just to make that piece yeah. <laughs> that like, I'll, but I don't know how they, how they, it, it's interesting because it's not like it was a Pac-Man slice in mm-hmm. the, uh, it was like, uh, around like almost perfect sphere. I don't want to say it was always a perfect sphere. I don't even know. Like, how did they even make that? Anyway, we we may like we're describing visual stuff, and it may be confusing to people. Right. Like, we were used to talking off air, <laughs> so I don't want to digress into like figuring out something that we both experienced. But anyway, right. can, let's get to know you a little bit better because I know that I know you uh, because we've talked about where you're from. But like, uh, it'll also help me remember. So we're 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 originally. Where you, I know where you went to school, and we can get into that because we can't say the institute, and you explain to me why, and that makes total perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> because there's a million art institutes, and you can't say yeah. Art Institute of Chicago because there's also one there. I'm assuming. Yeah, and I was actually I was shipping some work for something, and I was at just like chit chatting with the UPS guy. And he's like, oh, and I was just like, yeah, you know, I go, I said the Art Institute. And he's like, oh, yeah, my friend goes there. I was like, oh, cool. He's like, oh, yeah, they're studying culinary. I was like, oh. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) My first experience with the Art Institute was there was this guy that I, so I went to a study abroad program. I'm not going to plug it because, you know, I don't, like, there's a million of them out there. They're all a dime a dozen, but it, it, uh, I will say it was at the at Galileo's building or something. It was a building yeah. like so. Uh, uh, Galileo had a building or some shit like that. This is so long ago. <laughs> you you like you, when you're young, you listen to old people talk, and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then you get old, and you're like, oh yeah, there's no way that I could remember that long ago. But um, yeah, so I went there and. Like the one guy that I met from the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Is that what it is? What's the acronym? SAIC. Uh, SAIC. We always said SAIC, but I heard somebody like correct me and go, it's SIAC. And I was like, I don't. No, fuck that. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's SIARC over here and like I'm, I, I don't live far from it. That, sorry, my partner is getting his master's in architecture. He's in the middle of class right now. Sorry, that was really funny. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's like, uh, the, uh, that's one of the art stores, uh, art supply stores that I go to, their store. Because it's like a train ride away. Or, I mean, I used to. Now it seems unsafe to take the train. But, so, um, so anyway, so the guy that went to the School of Art Institute of Chicago was like the hardest in crits, you know, and like <laughs> we were all from like state schools. <laughs> he was coming from an art school. I remember my friend Seth Weiner, he was like ripped to shreds by him and he was like but I met him in a context where uh someone was like there there was this woman who a young woman obviously but um who was from Bosnia or Herzegovina or some like war torn country and like I think she was an orphan because her parents had died and she had somehow was doing well but like she was great but she was also like super abrasive and one day she asked me you know this was he didn't know this context but one day she asked me um 
like, how are you doing? Or I, one day I said, hey, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> and then, like, I just moved on. <laughs> and she got mad at me. And he was there, the guy from uh, the the School of the Art Institute of Chicago was there. And, and, and like, she got so upset that I didn't listen for the follow-up. <laughs> and he was so tickled by it that, that like, despite whatever beef my friend had with him, I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he definitely had a reputation. For, and then, like, later on when I got into the rigor, I was like, okay, you know. So it's in, it, that was my introduction to the school. Like, uh, like the idea that it was, like, super pretentious, but then the guy was kind of cool as well, you know. And, like, just, like, bitter and cynical, and I could get into that. So what was your experience? Um, it was a lot of that. I think maybe the culture is changing a little bit um, because there were some, it was really like department by department, whether or not you would um, like leave with some like deep seated emotional trauma. Or oh, what do you mean by that? Like what oh, departments just, were notorious for like neurotic people? Yeah. For like, like, you know, it really trying to break you down. Crits were super rough. Um, and then there were other departments that were really just like supportive and really like constructive in their, um, in their criticisms. And they're like, like, Oh no, like you, you like the, you know, trying to like help you like grow as an artist versus but, like, but what I'm asking is like, which one, which, which oh. was which? <laughs> Cause you know, like in schools, you like, I'm trying to get into like a, maybe a bit of more gossipy place. And I apologize, but I'm saying no. like, you, you know, like it, drama kids are drama kids, you know, like yeah. performance art versus like conceptual art. Like who were the ones that were getting like who who you saw and you were like, oh, shit, I don't want your class load. Oh, definitely photo. My department was what had that for okay. sure. It was kind of split between the faculty. So some faculty were super into that break you down as a person and an artist. And then the other faculty were like, we don't really need to do that. Um, what, what's, uh, go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but, but if you can work in, like, what is your take on that? Um, I'm a pretty sensitive person. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was also maybe a little young for going to grad schools. And it was the first time I had actually studied art. My bachelor's is in commercial photography and we didn't have that. So it was a very new experience for me. And it was pretty, like I'd had been in hard crits before, but I hadn't been in the kind of crit where um, like you say something about the work and somebody just straight up doesn't believe you. When you're like, I took this photo here and they're like, oh, I don't actually believe that you did that. And you're like, oh. In what, like in locations? Just like in general, or like you'd say something about your process and they're like, oh, I don't really believe that. Okay. And you're like, I, I, it's like, how do you answer that if somebody doesn't even... Like they're so uninterested or sort of so disengaged with the work. Like, how do you, how do you connect with that person and like have like a constructive conversation? Like, um, so I don't think that it's super helpful. I think for some people it works really well. I think if you respond to that sort of really harsh criticism, then it's can be really generative. It wasn't super generative for me. Um, Did you were I, you a person that has struggled after grad school to keep making oh, work? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was like a solid year before I made anything. And then it was, you know, a really long time before I made anything good. <laughs> I'm a little conflicted with that. But I mean, I think that like for the price that you're paying to get broken down, 
nowadays, it doesn't necessarily make sense. I think it, there may be some benefit to that because if like straight criticism, but I definitely think that you're not, you don't necessarily get to pick who you're in crit with. Right. <laughs> and I think that that maybe is beneficial in the sense that you like learn about like how to take criticism in that sense, right? Like yeah. you learn about motivation. But I think, I don't know. I've had some bad experiences. I've talked about them before. We don't have to get into them. So like, but, but I just, I was just curious for your take more than anything. So um, how, how do you feel? Like, did you have any feel, as feeling of like personal beef with specific professors um, and that kind of thing? And were yes, they like, go ahead. Yes and no. It, it, Sorry, what was the second part of your question? I kind of no, I was up. just like, just like any in general weirdness that you experienced. Like, were, were there cults of professors? Oh my god, yes. Yeah, that's so strange, right? Right, it's super strange. And then you, you kind of, you can get kind of caught in that, and then you realize that you're not, you're not making work for yourself. Like, you're not, you're not growing as an artist because you're making work that's supposed to kind of fit in this weird little box, and you're kind of being, you're trying to sort of please this weird person who. Yeah, I don't. It's not helpful. Like the, the, it starts to feel like the faculty is there for themselves and not for you when you're paying all this money. Did you ever have the experience where you felt like um, you were seen as competition? If you're like, no, I got the impression that they thought most of my class was pretty useless. And that we weren't going to do anything. So it's like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I never thought that they were like threatened by us. I thought that they were just kind of like, eh, move along. Okay. Well, that's interesting because I went to a much smaller school. So that, <laughs> <laughs> but then that just makes me feel like the cult of like personality was much bigger there. Yeah, it really was. And, and it's such a big school and there are so many really big names there. I mean, Susanna Coffey teaches there. She was invi- She was amazing, by the way, as an advisor. Mm-hmm. She's, she, I had her, even though she was in the painting department. And then I actually met her again at the Vermont Studio Center in 2018. And she, she said she remembered me and she did a really good, if she didn't actually remember me, she did a really, really good job of faking it. Cause she like remembered stuff. <laughs> like, she was like, oh yeah, yeah. Like she, she's just, she's so brilliant. And she was so, compassionate and helpful like she would just sort of stream of consciousness think of things but they were all really just kind of enlightening about your own work it was incredible she was amazing so stream of consciousness like so she's just going riffing off of what what yeah she's 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 triggered off of what you're you're making yeah she's talking about the work she's pulling things out of it um she was talking about this one piece that I have of, you know, like the, I have the, I have these like bird of paradise sculptures. Um, and it was when they were like, when I had first made the first one and she talked about like the weirdness, like the way that we take natural objects out of the natural world and how we, um, kind of completely take away their power that we did like delocate them from where they're supposed to be and put them in weird situations in our house, the way we like add them to fabric. And then we put that fabric on chairs and it's like, nobody really wants to sit on palm fronds. They're not comfortable or like helpful or it's pleasant. It's a palm fronds, sorry. Oh palm yeah. Fronds? 
Palm fronds. Yeah. Like a, like a, a palm leaf. Okay. Um, that's what and, I thought. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your flow, but I was like, I, wa- <laughs> what is that word you say? <laughs> no, I just wanted to make sure I was picturing the right thing. <laughs> yeah. And cause it was this specific fabric that I was talking about. Um, but, and just the way that that is how another way that humans are gaining power over the natural world that we take it, we remove all of its power and its ability to function and turn it into this just sort of like shape or like a decorative element. And so uh, you, you're, you're uh, beefing with my grandmother right now because (laughs) I know I'm kidding. I have a a huge photo project of, but no, that's interesting. I'd never thought of that. It's just, but it's, it's, it's that, that's, um, that is the element that I do like about the, the education, right? Mm -hmm. Like, deconstruction and, and, and that kind of critical thought. And, and that's where, like, I think that despite all the, like, problematic things with, like, education, I definitely didn't go to grad school because I was just, like, not. I mean, I, I just... <laughs> if I was a younger man to pay off all that debt, maybe. <laughs> but uh, what's it called? It's, it is, I do, I do value that. And I do think that that's kind of why I do the show to like, sort of talk to people more that are into that. Like, cause I could just like have accountants on the show and be a very different conversation to ask an accountant, like, what are you into? And they're going to be like, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even want to <laughs> like assume that they're not critical thinkers, but I'm just guessing like, like that we're a little bit maybe more into that dumb, like, it, it, you know, like, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not dumb, but it, it is just sort of like useless <laughs> to some degree in like the practical space of world because like only we want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I had a I was in a studio visit and I was going on and on about, I don't know, like space or something and science fiction. And the artist I was in the studio visit, she was like, wow, you do a lot of research. I'm like, no, I just like read this weird space blog all the time. She's like, that's research. And that was the moment where I was like, that's the cool thing about being an artist, because no matter what you're doing, you're always doing research. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I I actually in the intro, it used to be uh, explore and expand our worldview through research. And then I dropped it because people were just so intimidated by that. (laughs) They were like, oh, it's academic. I'm like, no, I didn't even go to grad school. (laughs) I just like writing research. I I love. Oh, my God. Research papers are the most absurd thing, because like you could get kicked out of college for just plagiarizing. But it's really just like a laziness thing, right? Like, because <laughs> all you have to do is is learn MLA style and just like, <laughs> that's it. And you're good. And in fact, you can copy and paste your whole fucking thing and just be like, hey, um, I think this idea connects with this this way. <laughs> and literally, like, that's a research paper. It's not a well-written one, but like, <laughs> those are the bare minimum requirements. <laughs> so I understand that level. I don't uh, think it's bad to kick people out for being lazy in college. I mean, it's your last chance to be lazy. We should let you do it. Well, no, it's just, it's like, it's, it's, you know what it is? It's like, uh, it's just... Um, 
it's cheating by the rules. You're you, like, you you you're not expected to have entirely new ideas. You're just expected to cite your sources, right? And so, yeah. like, that's it. And like, it's just like, I don't know. I think that that's kind of amazing because it's like you don't have to be original. <laughs> Anyway, let's switch to your topic. I'm sorry. Does that was that dumb <laughs> or was that ridiculous? <laughs> Think of when you make something when you make work that you know is like kind of derivative of someone else's work, and you're just like, no, I'm heavily referencing. Their <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there should there needs to be an art citation way. Like yeah. you know, I guess that's the <laughs> with the. Title and then you're good to be golden. <laughs> <laughs> you just but like label it as sorry for being vulgar, but like essing this guy's D. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, All right, so do you have a topic specifically? Because I knew you know you have a lot of uh stuff to talk about, uh, and that you're well versed in stuff. Um, wow, thank you, that's quite a compliment. Well, I felt bad that I didn't go to your thing, but you did. Okay, well, we can start with this. I don't know if this is like what your topic was, but I do feel like it's interesting. Like uh, you did a talk somewhere on the L.A. River that was too close for me to not attend. And I apologize. I got intimidated. It was COVID isolation. And we really didn't know each other that well at that point. But um actually it was after that like that we that that i was like oh shit like uh, this is fun i should have gone but okay so one of the things that i told uh zebra zorb that you uh, which is deborah that you um that you kind of put in your what's that thing it was like a caption for uh an instagram post that um that said something about concretizing the LA river and that was like such a like dumb aha moment for me because i was like of course that shit wasn't like naturally concrete but like you know i i never thought about when it was concretized and i never thought about why and like to me that's a very boomer mentality right like i for the show specifically i've researched uh atoms for peace which was when they were trying to frack with like a, a, a nuclear weapons and they were trying to like make canals and stuff like they were just trying to do demolitions with nuclear bombs to try to like humanize them it was just like so to me the concretize is like in that family of like yeah this will be good we got all this concrete so i don't want to take credit for that that was something no no no, i know i i okay go ahead it was my my naturalist ecologist my this guy who led us on this native plant walk um he he wrote that but i would love to talk about the la river because it's um was that what you wanted to talk about? I don't want to stray you from it. We can just address it briefly if you want. I was just going to like talk about native plants or colors. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> but the LA River is you, really, really fascinating. Have you hung out with Kellen at all and talked about any of this stuff? Briefly. I feel like every time he's always, he's so, he's so busy. He's always running yeah, around. When at, 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 but you, you should, you guys should like just kick it because he did an entire episode of native plants on this podcast. Really? Yeah. 
<laughs> and then for a second episode we talked about politics and then the last time i saw him he called me a commie and i was like yes <laughs> compared to you i'm 100 percent a commie <laughs> my boss called me a communist what's that my boss he's like you communist <laughs> but i love kellen he's he, uh he, he's uh i definitely want to make it down in long beach to hang out with him anyway so plants and the la river go ahead um, so I guess, cause they kind of like, they correspond. So, um, for that show, I ended up sort of incidentally doing a lot of research on That's the Native uh, elephant show. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. It was a show at elephant art space, which is over in Glassell park. Um, I just took it down on Halloween. It's, it was a little show. Um, but it was about this disconnect between the functional sort of native ecology of Southern California specifically and it's sort of manufactured aesthetic. Um, mm-hmm. The manufactured aesthetic being like palm trees and like jacarandas and so this sort of like sub faux tropical aesthetic that we've adopted versus the natural, um, uh, it's called, like we're technically in a Mediterranean climate, we're not a desert. Um, that's kind of a strange term because it's so Eurocentric. So like a lot of people are kind of like, maybe we can come up with a better term. Um, it's basically defined climate. Yeah, there's um, four or five different Mediterranean or similar climates around the world. They're all on west facing. Um, oh, is that what it is about it? Oh, that yeah, makes sense because the sun. Yeah, so we have a west facing shoreline um, up against a huge body of water. Uh, there's generally, not in all of them, but generally there's a mountain range to the east with a large desert behind it. Um, and it is definitely, yeah, and it's definitely qualified by having, uh, long dry winters and a rainy season in, excuse me, long dry summers and a rainy season in the winter. So we don't, we get very little rain during our summers. The majority of our rain is going to happen during this period of time. And it's a very, they're very temperate climates. So the California floristic province, which runs um, obviously from the coast of California up to the Sierra Nevadas, um, and then is not a part. And then it kind How of far is, up is the Sierra Nevadas? I'm actually not that. They don't have a. Ma- okay. So the Sierra, Sierra Nevadas. Nevada, okay. To the east, it sort of trickles up into Oregon and kind of has a soft border up there, but then has a very hard border of the Mojave, the Sonoran and the Great Basin deserts to like the south and east. Um, So the Mojave desert and the Sonoran desert are not a part of this uh, floristic province, but the California floristic province has more native plants than the other 47 contiguous United States combined. Um, And we have the highest. So Florida just have a lot, has a lot of the same shit. Is that? It's, it's because it's such a very, very place. And Mediterranean cl- climates do have a ton of diversity naturally. Mm. Um, so, like, if you know, the East, like, uh, they're also wine growing regions. So, Western Australia, South Africa. <clears throat> but we don't have like Amazon in the continue, contiguous United States. Is that, I guess? No. Okay. It's also a very different climate. So, it's like a whole different thing. No, but I'm, you said like plant species. I'm just I'm fascinated by like, cause it is such a dry place. You don't think of like California as having like that. I, or do, does this include like how far North does this climate include? Are we going to like no, San Francisco? Huh? To Oregon? 
So like that whole stretch is like, is considered. So then so that, okay. Okay. So then there's like a North South axis. Okay. Right. So there's a huge amount of diversity just within climate zones. So you have the coastal range, you have all yeah, of these yeah. different, you know, you have these different mountain ranges that run, you have the coastal mountain range, you have the Sierra Nevada, you have the central Valley, you have all of these really specific little ecosystems that happen and all of them have endemic and native plants to them. And endemic. Also Endemic only found, in, only found here, only found okay. in one place. So um, like coast live oaks are endemic to California. Valley oaks are endemic to California. Canyon oaks are developed. These are trees. Yes. Oaks. Yeah. Wait, are, are they, okay. No, I'm, I mean, I didn't grow up like really like, you know, like Florida has like the banyans and all that shit. So <laughs> it's a very different, like, I like Oak is like, you know, the idea I knew poison Ivy when I was a kid, not poison Oak. You get yeah. what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's more, that's more foresty shit that like, and then in Italy it was all pine trees and stuff. So do, do we have pine trees out here? We don't yeah. have this. Do we have the weird, we, the weird ones that are like um, shaping it? We, or we don't have the, we only have the Christmas type, right? No, we have like Monterey pines or Tory pines. They they grow like a normal pine tree, but when they grow on the coast in those really harsh areas where the wind is just constantly beating them, that's where they like turn into the big bonsais where they're all like twisted and pretty. Um, oh, so they're like the ones that you would see in Rome. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? No, I've never been to that. I grew, I, I grew up with these like crazy pine trees with that would drop yeah. pine cones, and they were. Um, so, like, when you look at the Roman Forum and uh, pictures of the Roman Forum, pictures of the Colosseum, all of those, like, all of that area is covered with them, like the, um, the Circo Massimo and all of that. Mm-hmm. And they're just, like, they're pine trees, but they're not shaped like Christmas trees. They're shaped, like, they're, they're just, like, trees. And then they have, like, puffy kind of pine spready yeah. things. Yeah. So, so uh, that is one of those things that I feel like... I don't see out here that, you know, like, and then over there, we don't have the crazy fucking huge, uh, what's it called? Redwoods? Redwoods and Sequoias. Yeah. That, that stuff is mind blowing. Have you ever been to Sequoia National Park? I've seen, I don't know if I've been to that park, but I've seen some crazy big ass trees. I haven't seen the ones that in cartoons you could drive through, but I know those exist. Yeah. They used to be, um, like all over the place. I don't, I, that's such a vague thing to say, but they were, they grew. Like South, as, even down here in LA? I think they grew like all over North America, but as the ice oh, age okay. slowly receded, that those are just, they're just vestiges of where they were growing. Okay. Totally climate. shot in the dark, but do you know anything about the petrified forest? <laughs> the one, the one in Arizona or the... Oh, okay. There we go. That you already you <laughs> you have satisfied my question by informing me that there are more than two. Let's get back to the 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 local area. Uh, so, okay, go ahead. Like, tell me. Tell, so maybe work. Let's like work a little bit into what you're doing with the work, or does that feel weird to transfer into that? Because no. I kind of want to talk about some of these like more solid sculptures and okay. I, it's hard you know like they're solid like they almost look like marble pieces you know what you know like this is a horrible uh pop culture thing that i'm doing to you but it reminds me of like 
the the marble columns in the matrix that are getting shot by bullets <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> i'm sorry i'm just trying to describe things to, to the listener but they, they they are much cooler than that they also have like an objectness that and and they're reflective so when uh, you have the places where there's a disruption but it does sort of like it it feels like there's an impact it's not like like there's like hard edges and pieces missing right yeah, there's like a weird violence in them. Which I really yeah, exactly. Like. Okay, so I'm glad that you like the the. Record. Oh yeah, I, I really like that. <laughs> did you see? Did you see the show? It also, I almost texted uh, the woman that did the sculptures in that. Uh, that that I, I was like, your work reminds me of Ed Gein, and I was like, that's too much. We haven't met. <laughs> Ed Gein's the guy that uh, um, made like lamps out of people and shit but he was a grave digger he wasn't a serial killer <laughs> but she has to know she made a fucking sculpture with ears there's no and nipples she has yeah. to know but anyway I, go ahead <laughs> no i know it would just be creepy she would just like i would have to say that in person right yeah especially like if we just started following each other and be like I've got the Monta Vista clout. I'm going to just randomly like, creep someone out. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Sorry. So the, those sculptures are, um, they're made out of epoxy and wildfire debris and salt. Okay. So I made the form. I, in 2017, I collected a bunch of wildfire, just like dirt and things from the side of the road from the Latuna Canyon fire which was the largest fire in the city of Los Angeles in like 50-ish years. It was like the biggest fire in the city of LA since the city of LA was like kind of a real city. Wait, uh, so when, of, what year was this? 2017. Okay. Um, and, and what so, part of LA was this? I, didn't, I don't even remember this. Well, it was the start of that really, really horrible oh, fire. Oh, okay, okay, okay. We completely, it was like the least dramatic fire that we had but at the time it was really terrifying because this fire was coming down um definitely within the city limits i mean it's still up in the hills but like it's in the city of la which was um in what like where was it encroaching what part just um like up in sun valley in tahunga like up in that area okay. but it did come down sort of like in th those mountains um kind of like northeast of burbank which my studio is in burbank so um it was there was a lot of like personal things that were happening there. I have uh, no idea where you live now. <laughs> I thought I had a concept, <laughs> but anyway, we don't have to get into where you live, but I was like, I just assumed you were on the West side. I'm like, Burbank. Oh, anyway. And I collected a bunch of dirt from there and I mixed it, um, with epoxy and, you know, made like a square form, just like a mold. Um, and the first one that I did was not so did, in that show. Did you rip into them? How did you well, get this? That's the thing is that when the epoxy, because it exotherms as it cures, so it's exotherming and it started to have this bizarre reaction with the wildfire debris that started to foam. And like, oh, so it filled up the space that, with air. The bubbles and this foam, and like it had a really like strange textural like reaction to itself. Um, which gives it that a lot of that sort of like damaged, foamy, shot up look. Mm. Um, and then the, some of the other forms I made, like those cracks and like the really dramatic ones I made by just, you know, I, I did those myself. Like I added pockets of things because um, I was thinking just about 
literally uh, habitat fragmentation and how that is affected and contributing to wildfires and how it just, we just keep chopping. Habitat fragmentation being where you're splitting up the flow of like natural. Yeah. You just start to have little islands and pockets of, you know, ecosystem, but as they get smaller and smaller, they can't function. So even though we have these more flammable, sorry, even though we have these huge, they do. It's not just a fire thing. They do get more, they, they're more um, damaged by wildfire because, you know, if you have just like a tiny little pocket of ecosystem and the whole thing burns, it's, it's gone. Like it's not, mm. um, you know, it can't really recover. There's no undergrowth in, in or whatever really it is that keeps it going. Right. Like, think, you know, things die. Like you, the, the more fragmented habitats become, the less healthy they become and the more susceptible they are to fire. Um, so that's where the, that sort of gradual progression of the forms getting more and more broken up came from. I like it a lot because it is such an interesting, like the cube is such an art form, you know, it's like such a basic, um, kind of human way of like, like, you know, simplifying things, right? Like cut a hedge, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and, uh, it's, but, but then the disruption because of the foam, that's interesting. I don't even need to know that. I, I, it's interesting that it is part of the reaction, but visually it just is really stunning to, to look at. And then you have, so like, did you also epoxy these leaves? These, these are, what kind of leaves are these that you're doing, um, you you had a self-standing sculpture that's pretty massive, it looks like. It's taller than me, and anything bigger than me is huge. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so, like, they're, they're, they actually hang from little monofilaments. Still um, bigger you know. than me. <laughs> <laughs> Even bigger now. They go up yeah. to the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they're they're painted with epoxy. They're, bird, they're giant bird of paradise fronds. Um, painted with epoxy so it does epoxy come in different colors or do you add pigment to them i have the dye yeah okay colors and so they're they're already dead and brown and then i would paint over them in various shades of green and brown and um i just got tickled thinking that you were like defensive that you killed leaves, but <laughs> just... <laughs> well, it's more that I think it's important. No, have... I don't think you were. I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they're dead. Yeah, I think you... they were already dead. I didn't kill these trees. <laughs> I found these bodies. I made them into lamps. Everything is falling over. <laughs> you're tickling, like you're you're just bowling right down my lane. <laughs> is that even a term? <laughs> sure. I think, but like the reason why I do think they're important is that they're dead is because if you start, when you start to think about these landscapes, the landscape that we live in specifically in the city of LA and you think about, so let me, let me take a step back. So for the, the sort of the, sorry, I'm getting too excited. I love plants. That dude, I'm, (laughs) I'm just feeling it. (laughs) <laughs> the baseline of how an ecosystem function is going to be plants. Um, and then because the insects eat the plants and then insects feed literally everything else in one way or form. They're just kind of, these are the two bases of the food chain. And most insects are specialists, something like 90% of insects are specialists. So if you start bringing all of these non-native plants into an area, you start limiting food sources for insects. 
Um, I mean, we have a bee species that will only go to one specific flower. That it can get that specific. And when you talk about insects as being generalist, it doesn't mean that they'll eat literally anything. Though some do for sure, but most of them eat a variety of the same type of plants. But a lot of them are going to eat one plant because they have evolved together. And plants have defenses against the insects, and then the insects then circumnavigate those defenses. So you have this, you need to have this interaction between plants and insects to have a functioning ecosystem. Um, so is that defense system, that that dance, is that like a thing where, so that like the animal the, or the insect only takes just enough? Kind of, yeah. yeah. It's everything, in a functioning ecosystem, everything is in balance. And as like a little side note, when you see invasive plants be really successful, like for example, in Los Angeles, Spanish broom is really successful, that Mexican feather grass. It's not that those plants are better suited to this area. It's just that there's nothing that eats them. So it's an ecosystem that's out of balance. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, it's been tilted. It's not working properly. You know, your, your pH levels are wrong. You know, like if well, that was a, a, a very women specific thing. Um, no, I think swimming pools and water. <laughs> oh yeah, that's better. Swimming pools. Um, Women are like swimming pools. Yeah. So <laughs> but anyway, so if you, with that in mind and you start driving through Los Angeles and you drive for 10 minutes and you realize you haven't seen a plant that's native to LA, you realize that this is a dead place, that nothing can really live here. Like some things can, of course, but these, you know, all of our landscaping with the bird of paradise and the jacarandas and the palm trees and which are not native to here um, and the lawns and all of these bushes that we love so much, they're not really supporting anything. Um, so it's just kind of like a taxidermied landscape. It's something that's. Really oh, cool. so they're not, there's nobody, no creatures benefiting from this other than the, uh, LA. Well, very, very few. Yeah. Yeah. Like the people, like the, the, I, I don't want to like pick on the Kardashians because I actually don't think they're like that lowbrow, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, like, I'm just saying like, I saw that there was this thing that people are like buying trees you know there's like a whole trade of super elitist motherfuckers like like they want like a crazy tree so they'll just have them transported from like some crazy random place but it, so so that's interesting i think because they could have really done a much better job landscaping it in in terms of if you're gonna like select plants right i mean you <laughs> like my grandmother could have done a better job <laughs> your grandmother's specific fault <laughs> the thing that drives me absolutely nuts is when like there's a couple of streets in pasadena that have cork trees which are in the same sort of genus or species i'm not a biologist so i don't know 100 what those umbrellas cover but is in the same sort of family as a oak tree but a california our coast live oak and our canyon there are coast live oak specifically they're a keystone species in our ecosystem they ho they're a host plant for over a hundred species of birds and moths alone. Not talking about the, how much they feed through their acorns, how much they're feeding through other bird other um, insects, like just birds and or moths and butterflies alone. There's over a hundred species that um, use them as a host. But instead of planting the native oak tree, they planted a cork tree. They look almost essentially the same, except one is sort of this little black hole of resources that is really adding very little. And the other one is a life source. And so 
it's a little bit about aesthetics. It's also actually, it's a whole ton about aesthetics. And it's a little bit about just knowing. Well, before I moved to Los Angeles, I didn't really understand the ecosystem either. Just through study, I learned about it. And then you have this little like aha moment where you're like, shit, of course there are things that are supposed to grow here. Um, and yeah, it's just that I'm so fucking used to Florida. And like when I come over here, I don't even think I'm like, you're blowing my mind. I, 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 I'm not like saying you're wrong. I, that wasn't a, but you're wrong. I'm like, wow. Like that is crazy because I think like it, it, you could fucking bring anything to Florida and something's going to eat it, you know? <laughs> But no, 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 no. I'm not, I, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm blown away that this is such a specific climate that it needs. It makes sense. It's not like, this is not a problem that's specific to here though. This is something that's happening all over the world. Eco, like ecological collapse is a thing happening literally everywhere. I need to be able to sleep tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't slept in so long. You just get super, super depressed, so you start giving money to Fuck, like. Fuck, man! I'm already so invested in politics right now, <laughs> and the economy collapsing. Jesus, Christine, what are you doing to me? <laughs> this is no. This is this is a new a new uh, thing for me to just be f- so angry about. No, <laughs> it's so. It, What's that? I do it to my parents all the time, and they're always just like, oh, God, why did she call again? <laughs> I do it to my mom, too. So I've had her I've had her just be like, okay, so I'll talk to you later. Yeah. <laughs> and I've just been like, oh, my God. La vie de merde. Everything is dying. We will not make it. <laughs> I don't want to put her on the French, actually. Now I'm just like, it's more my goth little kid. You know, like, there is no God. But God, can you help me? <laughs> um, so, wow, man. So that's crazy. Like, where do we go from here? Is there, like, another thing that you could hurt me with? <laughs> oh, my God. So we can talk about the L.A. River. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll definitely have to do a second one because I'm glad we eased into your topic. I'm glad we talked about everything else because, holy shit, I did not realize that, like, we're all going to die because bees can't procreate. <laughs> like, this this seems to be a pretty good explanation behind that in terms of, like, is that is that – I mean, I don't, I'm not putting that on you, but – so like the European, this is going to be worse. The European honeybee is European. It's from, it's not native to um, North America. It's only, it's native to like other continents. It's not native to here. We do have the highest, um, the highest number of native bee, of bee species in the world exists in California in Pinnacles National Park, where we have 400 different species of bee. Um, but they're usually not colony bees. They're usually solitary. Um, they're not sort of hive building. Um, but they're a very, they're a whole different, like they're sweat bees and sand bees. They're really cool. Um, but the thing that's really terrible. Sweat ter- bees, sorry. You said sweat bees. Yeah, I, I think we have sweat bees. I'm not like a bee expert. What are sweat bees? Please tell me. This. It's like a type of, I mean, haven't you ever like, like you're sweating, like bees come after you? I don't know. There's, it's like a type of bee, I guess. I'm, I, I shouldn't be talking Are they about attracted to, like, wait, so I'm going to, I'm going to put this, even if we don't answer today, I'm going to like <laughs> make sure because sweat bees sounds like something I need to know about. 
<laughs> but anyway, so we talk a lot about what's happening to the European honeybee with colony collapse and the Verona mite and all of like the pesticides that are happening. But this is a domesticated species that is cared for and, and looked after and numbers are counted. So if these things are happening to a species of bee that are more or less domesticated and like people are taking care of them, what is happening to the native bees that are really hard to see and just aren't visible? Yeah. Uh, so that is pretty depressing too, because we have like an incredible amount of bees and they're really, really amazing. Do you, um, like, I don't know. Bees are so funny because growing up, I mean, it's not, our humans are funny <laughs> in relation to bees because I, I don't know if you remember the Africanized killer bee. Yes. That made us all terrified of bees. <laughs> and then, and then thank God for Fox television. I don't really have anything profound to contribute, so I'm just going <laughs> to keep going. And then the guy that would uh, dress up in the whole bee thing. Yeah. Sort of destigmatize the bee. And then we found out that the bee was going. So now all of a sudden we're all invested with bees. But And then also I think the Wu-Tang Clan was very helpful in helping the bees. But I do remember like bees not being considered fucking cool for a very long time. Yeah, I remember that too. Okay. And we, we had a, well, actually it, it was right there. We had a, a, a beehive. I, I found out I was allergic to bees, um, but we have so a- Do you, a, do you need a- um, Yeah, an EpiPen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which I can no longer afford. Thanks guys. Um, it, the- You're just African getting all the anger points right now, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm, now I realize where, why, when I was so like frenetic about my rage o over uh, social media, <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're, they're just more defensive. So they, they're, and they're more, uh, they're less susceptible to smoke, which is the way I believe, which is the way that you sort of- Which like, bees, sorry. The Africanized bees. Okay. So they're a little bit harder to work with, but uh, they're not, it's not, it, it's ultimately- Are they actually killing people? I mean, like they're, you really have to piss a bee off to get it to-, to, to But an Africanized, and, that, and it, I do want to acknowledge how problematic the Africanized know, part of I the know, killer bee it, is, but thank God the Wu-Tang Clan came in. <laughs> the Wu-Tang Clan, we mentioned MLA style. Back in the day, I used to talk, <laughs> joke with my friend, and I was like, no, I'm going to cite it all PLO style, which was <laughs> PLO style, Buddha monks with the L. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I have to, like, fucking deal with this information you're giving me. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not guilting you. I'm just saying, like, holy shit. So, like... This is this is like literally some of the stuff that was left out of like uh, inconvenient truth and dumb shit like that. That like, you know, like this is actually really like like it's um, this maybe should be what we're discussing instead of like stuff that we should have settled years ago, right? Like, but it doesn't yeah. it doesn't make me feel better to know that like. Oh, it's not just if we stop using fossil fuels, you know, it's that like we have yeah. fucked up. Yeah, we've basically, my understanding is that we have crippled nature so much that it can no longer function on its own. 
that we need to be rebuilding and restoring spaces and dealing with invasive plants that we've brought in and invasive insects and diseases that we've brought in and all of these problems that we've been shuffling around the world for so long. We've fucked up so bad that we can't, that this idea that if we just leave nature alone, it'll be okay is not really the truth anymore. I mean, we're talking about like so the jock. Sorry, like, go ahead. Oh, like Joshua trees, they grow in a really specific climate zone, but the moths that pollinate Joshua trees are moving north because of climate change. So it's like, do you, do you like move the Joshua trees north? Like they're without the moth, they're not going to be able to pollinate. So they're not, they're going to be no more Joshua trees because this very specific symbiotic relationship is no longer going to be able to happen because the moths are going to leave because they're no longer in the right temperature zone. And Joshua trees take so long to grow that it's not like they can move at the same speed as the moths. I'm going to take a sip of my beer <laughs> and grasp <laughs> my chair, readjust my butt, make sure I'm comfortable. Ugh, crack my back a little bit because this is really like not um, something that ever gets covered. You know, like it's exhausting to think yeah. about like. I'm going through this thing. I've been the, the especially the last couple of episodes I've been talking about just how like. I can't be this invested in every little thing, but this is like, this is, it, it's, I mean, but then also like, it's not like I don't want to know. <laughs> you know? No. No. The, the, the thing that has kind of, like the silver, like the, the little glowing hopeful light in this is if you plant native plants and plants, like, if you think about like hyper-locality to something that lives specifically where you live. And California has a ton of tools to find that out. I'm gonna plug Calscape, um, which is a website that was made between, I think it was like UC Berkeley and the California Native Plant Society, but you can put your zip code in and they will tell you what grows within your zip code and also what um, butterflies and moths live in your zip code. So you can plant plants from your zip code for plant, for uh, butterflies and moths specifically for your area. Um, and why would people want to plant those? What, like, what, what are the benefits for the moths and, and butterflies? They would have their host plants. So they'll be able to lay their eggs and have their caterpillars live and create more butterflies and moths. So it's not so much about giving them things that they can eat or like pollinate. It was giving them places where they can reproduce because they can, they can feed off of a lot of flowers, but they can only reproduce on specific plants most of the time. Why is that? Like, do, you, do you know? Is it's it, just like an the... evolutionary thing, I think. Okay. I, I'm not, I don't know for certain. But there's like the El Segundo blue butterfly, which only um, is host-specific to a specific species of buckwheat. Not just like buckwheats in general, just one little buddy buckwheat. It's the sea cliff buckwheat. Um, sea cliff? Yeah. So it's a plant. Buckwheat is like what is it? I'm just picturing wheat. Is that their um the their their areognums is there? I believe I'm pronouncing that right. 
Um, it's, uh, <laughs> if I had read the word, it wouldn't even register. So, <laughs> Ariognum. <laughs> Ariognum. I think that's how, you that, that's that. how you're saying it. I, like, I'm just saying, like, that would. That's just the word that would just. <laughs> there, um, I also think you're. I'm pretty sure you're the first person to say buckwheat on this epi- on this show. So. <laughs> hey, we're like a hundred episodes in. Calvin <laughs> didn't talk about buckwheats. I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> You know what? In retrospect, he may have brought him up. Actually, when I went, uh, I, I, uh, when I met Kellen, actually it was when I met Kellen, I was like installing at, um, OPAF and it was down there in Long Beach, which is near Palos Verde, which is what he's an expert in. And so he knows all that area. He lives in Long Beach. Yeah. No, actually it was in San Pedro. He lives in Long Beach. Uh, the, the, so I was like all worried about the plants and he was like, oh, this is all invasive species. And he just started like, (laughs) (laughs) and I was just being all precious. I was like, I don't want to like, you know, I was like, ah, (laughs) (laughs) and then the other story that I don't want to incriminate my mother. So maybe this didn't happen. This is alleged. I've heard it from somebody that may have been me. But uh, she, uh, she like she used to hang out in this area. She had a friend that lived out here, and she found these like really interesting flowers that lived in like it were East LA in this mm-hmm. area, right? Uh, yeah. I don't want to give my exact location or neighborhood away because I'm not trying to raise my property values <laughs> if I ever make it big. Not that I'm not that I'm big enough to raise property values. But <laughs> but um so she took this plant over there into Culver City and mm-hmm. man, that shit spread so fast. Like yeah. it was it, it's just one of those those species. It's an invasive invasive species for sure, but it was one of those things that just like is it is there something about cactus that's like more uh I what is it like what thrives out here more than like that is invasive and then spreads cuz I know invasive isn't it's like when you have like it, 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 is it a thing where like they don't have any one that eats or feeds off of it so it just spreads so much Yeah it's usually something that has a really similar climate so that's why other mediterranean species do really well like the, like I mentioned the spanish broom eucalyptus um uh, what else there's that weird feather grass there's like other other grasses do pretty well out here because they kind of like grow really quickly during the wet season and then you know die off um but yeah it's that nothing eats them so and they're in a similar climate so they just explode like california poppies are invasive in other places of the united states because they it's the same situation nothing eats them and nothing kind of keeps them in check there's no bacteria or like diseases that will kill them off and so they just grow rampantly and they um diseases i we haven't that's like the first time that comes up too yeah like like, have there been have there been huge disease things like i I was i I think on this episode my former co-host you talked about how uh bananas they had to mutate them or something like that i don't know if you know about that oh, but yeah because like yeah. there was like a fungus or something right yeah there was like some sort of thing that was going to kill them all off so they had to do some shit i don't know plants are crazy especially cultivating yeah. plants but are there have there been any huge like go ahead you were excited about something go ahead oh yeah well it was just there was that huge there was the wine 
the grapevine fungus in Europe where when it, I, I don't remember when it was. I want to say it was either the 60s or like the 1800s. Oh, okay. I was like, oh my God, there's no wine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All of these, all of the the plants were just withering and dying. And some estates, they found that if you took, it was actually a California native or like a North American native grapevine. And then you grafted on the varietal that you were growing that you could, it would, it would live through this fungus or like mold or whatever that was killing everything. Um, but there were some places just refused to do it because they didn't know if it was going to change the taste of the grape. And then of course the taste, the taste of the wine, because you know, the terroir and pulling all the things up. So. The uh, wine that tastes like fungus is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but there were some places that weren't affected by it, which is why some, you know, there are now like some areas that are like so much more expensive, but there is some sort of weird line in the sand where wine before this specific date that I can't remember potentially tastes completely different than what we've been drinking now, even from these really old estates, because they're the plant stock is different, which is really interesting. Yeah. uh, That whole thing also, well, I guess there is basically what we're talking about. Well, that is one example of how invasive or non-native saved, uh, you know, like by adding some biodiversity but it's, or I don't know if that's the term. <laughs> I know, I just realized biodiversity means something entirely different. <laughs> that is the other, not to derail what you're saying, but that is the weird thing when you start talking about native plants versus imported or invasive plants. It's like biodiversity is created by like keeping as many things in an area alive, not by like bringing them in. But when you talk about it, sometimes you start to sound really like xenophobic and it's a really really but you're actually you're talking about plants though like is it cultural do you think it's maybe more on a cultural level like no i mean xenophobic maybe i don't know what the definition of xenophobic i get your intent uh, but like yeah i guess i wanted to make the point that what you're talking about is you're you're not we're not talking about like fear of in, in immigrants you're talking about colonialism and that very basic moment of moving things around and the things that you come and find are always inferior to the things that you're bringing with you. And but in reality, they don't necessarily serve that purpose. Right. We're, we're in re- reality. Everything has its places. Every, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. and you might actually be killing a whole ecosystem or a planet, yeah. which is what we, which has been, you know, our, our, our deal. Yeah. Well, do you think that like, I don't know. I I mean, this is completely hypothetical and I don't expect you to have an answer to this. But then, you know, like, it's interesting how things are just grown in different places, right? But they're not like, for example, just almonds being grown out here and... Super water intensive. and, and, And shit like that. And I know that, like, I think that, like... I I don't know what the deal is with pistachios. I forget the the research that I've done. <laughs> I did a quote on quotes, uh, um, but but yeah, it's it, it, I, you know like 
So, like, if we as novice idiots, I mean, not that you're an idiot, but I'm completely ignorant to the whole situation, and I definitely identify as an idiot because it's a position of fun (laughs) 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 and low responsibility. But I think that, like, it's it's interesting if we could maybe, like, you know, instead of having shit grown in places because it's uh, convenient or financially expedient Mm -hmm. or, you know, um, if you just kept things growing natively, but it's like corn native to like Nebraska. (laughs) Our domesticated plants are so far removed from what their source plant is. I mean, there was that big thing about corn and trying to figure out what corn's source plant was or like wild version is. And they had to like genetically test it. You couldn't, you couldn't just look at corn and figure out what, it, where it came from. They didn't know. So it was like this huge like research project to figure out where corn came from, but they're so far removed from their wild version that, I mean, where, where are they native to? Like, nobody really knows where, like, apples came from. Or, you know, oranges are kind of from China, I think. But that's as close as we're going to get. Like, indigo, they don't know where indigo is from. Wait, wait that's mean, a fruit? It's a, it's a you know, a dye. It's uh, a pigment. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it's I just... like, I want to eat an indigo. <laughs> Shit, that sounds <laughs> delicious. <laughs> that sounds like my background. <laughs> Oh, this tastes like denim. <laughs> <laughs> but oh wow, man, that's so crazy! It really it's is. It, it's um, it's like, it's like when someone tells you that there's germs, and you're like, all of a sudden, you're like, oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> I'm covered in microbes, <laughs> and then you get over it. But like, I'm just in that first realization of like, oh my god. It's uh, it's that part in the like uh, the disaster movie where like the avalanche is about to come through the window and I'm like, oh my god, the bees are gonna go. I would say the like the the one thing you just you, you just plant native plants in any space that you have. Well, do you know of any actual, like initiatives that are behind this or? There are. Um, there's one. There's a one like game like really pointed towards nurseries to sell native plants. Um, There's something called the rewilding movement, which is basically taking suburban and privately owned land and reverting it as close as possible to uh, the native ecosystem of that area. Um, I think it's called, there's a website um, like mynationalpark.org or something where you can go and like chart where these where other places are that have native plants in your area and you can like put yourself on there as like a I have native plants in my yard I'm part of this sort of huge idea of a national park that's in private hands because so much of our land is in private hands and even in LA I mean so much of the land is this is like such a suburban city that we could actually have a functioning ecosystem within the city in people's yards and in little strip mall planters and in the center medians of our cities, but we don't. Um, There's a lot of parks that have come up, um, mostly along the LA River, because there is this big push to kind of unfuck the LA River a little bit. Um, (laughs) 
The visual of someone unfucking someone is just too fun. (laughs) (laughs) You'll see places like Rio de Los Angeles State Park where we had the little nature walk. They had native plants planted there. Or like Vista Hermosa, which is a stunning example of making the San Gabriel and Santa Monica Mountains in the middle of downtown LA. And it is one of the most beautiful places that I've been to. Even LA... What? Go ahead. Even LA? Even LA State Historic Park has a huge... They have a lot of sort of historic plants to California, but they have a huge, huge parts of that park are devoted to native plants. Um, You know, if you go like up and down the coast, like I'm thinking places that I think are kind of overrun with what I perceive to be wild vegetation like uh you know up and down the pacific coast highway Mm -hmm. malibu stuff like that are those also non-native species and stuff like that like is it just overrun is it just that we're or is it that we're not growing stuff in like patches or in like you know you get what i'm saying what i'm asking like go ahead we do i mean there we do have a lot of plants growing in those areas i mean there are invasive plants in them it's not like a pristine ecosystem um but i mean that land keeps disappearing and and then going back to habitat fragmentation Mm. you have you know a bunch of california sunflowers growing along the coast or coastal sunflowers growing along the coast and then you have nothing in between any plant that's going or any animal that's going to be feeding off of those is just going to live there it's not going to be able to move and, and move around and kind of like create this healthy ecosystem. But if you have these plants transferring through the city, you, you have something that's functional. It's connected. Well, what stood out is that you said medians and, and that seemed to me like, cause my idea of why the world is dying is because of, you know, the things that are running past medians, but it seems like this would help. And it makes sense. I'm, I'm not arguing against it. I'm just like, that that's what that's kind of like the LA River, like the concretized river thing. That right. I was just like, oh, okay, I get, yeah. I did one time see a dude on Mother's Day get out of his car uh-huh. and pull a bird of paradise out of a median, and I thought, damn, it feels good to be a gangster. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like, is it a solution? Is it going to like fix it? No, but it would help. No, 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 no. I get what you're saying. I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I you know, like I, that is, I, I, that's a space that, I mean, Jesus, if everything around it is concrete, we could maybe utilize it, you know, like I'm not against that, <laughs> but it is a space that I overlook. And then that made me think of that, that guy just like being like, oh my God, these, <laughs> these are I beautiful. Love these. <laughs> <laughs> and good, good on him. I'm not fucking judging. I'm just saying that I noticed it and I was like, I don't think I would have noticed those uh, birds of paradise if he hadn't stopped <laughs> or <laughs> Or I maybe noticed them and would not have remembered them if if I didn't have that moment of him being like, yeah, these are beautiful. My mom yeah. deserves one of these. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I feel like I've taken enough of your time. Probably next time that we talk on the podcast is going to be much longer. I'm just a little sad now. <laughs> but... Go yeah, ahead. No, no, no. Oh. You, you've given you've you've given us some upbeat stuff. I am just, uh, you know, 
in a spot. It's uh, it, it's the time of year. <laughs> yeah. It is the time of year to plant native plants. You should always plant them in the fall as opposed to the spring because then they can have the entire winter to get established. So if you want to make yourself feel better, there are a lot of native plants that will grow really well in pots. <laughs> if you don't have I will pro- I Well, it's also, you're talking... I've had maybe so I had one time one person came on and talked to me about hair, which was fun because <laughs> for obvious reasons. And I think similarly, the idea of me growing plants is like it's like, uh, you know, I don't know. You, I, I'm just not good at plants. My grandmother, I, I, my grandmother had one of the most amazing gardens. All my stoner friends in Miami when I lived at her place uh, used to come over. And they were like, bro, this place is fucking wild, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and every time she would go to visit my uncle and, or leave and like leave me with the place alone, her plants were barely alive when I got there. And it was in Florida and it fucking rained. And I was like, I don't know how much I need to water these motherfuckers. <laughs> but apparently a lot more than I do. So <laughs> those are my hangups. But uh, but yes, you can definitely if you are not like me, if you have thumbs that are green and not uh, the black death for plants. Yeah, there's a theater pain foundation in Sun Valley. There is um, Artemisia na- uh, nursery uh, sells a lot of native plants. Uh, well, you plugged those already. Let's go to your plugs. Let, uh, uh, what what can, what can we plug for you? You do you have any stuff going on? You're pretty active. Um, I'm going to have a show in at the Bountiful Davis, Bountiful Davis Art Center in Bountiful, Utah next September. Next September? Okay, that sounds great. Utah is amazing for vegetation. That's one of the fucking craziest places I've ever been. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it'll be... Have um, you been out there? No, I haven't. I've been to Salt Lake City, which is slightly north of there, but I haven't spent a ton. Oh, okay. I mean, no, I, I, I haven't. I know Utah is much bigger than just Zion National Park, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely been there. It's so beautiful there. Yeah, that that stuff like I, I've never seen a road that was red because they made it out of the clay of the, the stuff like I like that. That was that that fits into our conversation. <laughs> that connection to place is so important. What's that? That connection to place is just so important. Yeah. No, I mean, Utah is definitely I've been to a lot of places that are very stunning and utah is up there for sure in 100 percent. so i may <laughs> how much is how far is the drive out there i think it was like eight hours fuck yeah it's nine I hours fl- it's, it's not it's uh, yeah oh man i may no schedule it's fine. <laughs> no i just may use it as an excuse to go to utah <laughs> <laughs> I'm just convincing, maybe not even that. I'm just convincing myself to go to Utah like tomorrow. But anyway, so uh, you got that show. You're uh, at, what, what's your Instagram? What, let me see. It. Uh, it's at Kat Kinson. Oh, K- C. Atkinson. C. Atkinson, yeah. Yeah, Kat Kinson. Uh, so it's both just your first letter and the pun, which I like. I appreciate that. <laughs> and then do you, you have a website i'm sure because you are a serious artist it's katkinson.com, <laughs> <laughs> it's katkinson.com? Yeah. nice nice that's hey man i just meant that you keep it up to date <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> but all right. Well, I have had a lovely time. I hope everybody enjoyed the episode. Uh, we'll be back next week. I am at What's My Thesis. I am that on TikTok now as well. I maybe well by the time this episode is out. Well, by the time I start putting episodes out again, this uh, I, I, I will be at, uh, more active on TikTok. And then you can follow me. I'm at Javier Proenza. I will start posting my own shit up there again soon. So uh, thank you very much for checking out the show. Thank you for my, so much for coming on. I definitely will have you on because uh, it is fun talking to you about <laughs> dumb shit. <laughs> all right <laughs> uh, uh bye bye everybody if you enjoyed the show don't forget to rate us five stars shop at our merch store and subscribe to us on youtube special thanks to our patrons m trichkovsky and tony irons to become a patron go to patreon.com slash what's my thesis